You are listening to the Root Simple Podcast. On episode 138 of the Root Simple Podcast, we brain dump with East Coast Eric of Garden Fork TV about concrete work, bears in the garden, plywood boat building, and storm windows. Before we get to the conversation, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers at the I Planted a Row of Arugula tier and above. So thanks to David and Sandy, Denise, and longtime patron Michael in Canada. If you'd like to become a patron and make an ongoing pledge to support our podcast and blog, you can find a link in the show notes and on the right side of our blog at rootsimple.com. Eric runs the popular eclectic DIY channel Garden Fork. He's been a frequent guest on this show and is back to fill us in on what he's been up to under quarantine. And now, my conversation with Eric of Garden Fork. Well, Eric, welcome to the Root Simple Podcast again. You are um, always, it's good when I hear from you because it's sort of like, I haven't done a podcast in a long time, and Eric just emailed me. So, welcome, Eric, East Coast Eric. Hey, here we are. We're here. And um, in Brooklyn, you're in L.A. Indeed. And uh, we're in quarantine, or at least I am. What's it like in Brooklyn right now? It's it's pretty quiet. There's there's more traffic than there used to be. There are um, there are people that are going to work. The grocery stores are open. The uh, food stores are open. Restaurants are not open. You can get takeout. Um, you can still get a really. I live in Sunset Park, which is um, a Latino and Asian neighborhood, so uh, you can still get a really good burrito, but you just can't eat it in the place. But uh, no, I mean we have roof over our heads, and we don't. Uh, have the virus we behaved ourselves so i'm i'm not complaining yeah thankful for that here too so what have you been doing uh in the past few months in quarantine um just kind of freaking out and melting into the floor (laughs) yeah i've been doing a lot of that too (laughs) well there's a project we have a little house a little weekend house which we have escaped to um a number of times and it has a cistern in the backyard it's basically a 10 foot by 10 foot concrete swimming pool centered over a spring, a naturally occurring spring in the hillside. And the top of the wall is exposed, you know, the part of the wall that juts up above the soil level. Um, the concrete is falling apart. It's, it's a 50 year old cistern. So I have been um, knocking the top of it off, cleaning it up and building temporary forms and putting new cement across the top of that wow that's ambitious so this is the water source for the house basically well it used to be when we first had the house it was still was i installed a a uv uh sterilizer system in line which is basically a it looks like an oversized stainless steel thermos it's about two foot long and it has a what looks like a giant aquarium light bulb that goes in the inside of it, but it's a UV light. And the water from the spring goes through a sediment filter, then a carbon filter, and then through the UV light chamber. And the light, and the, then the water is safe to drink. The UV light uh, kills all the microbes that might want to make your stomach really upset. Um, we drilled a well a while ago, but I still use it I use the spring to water the garden and the yard and stuff. Ah, okay. It's not like a hot tub or something. It's not a hot spring. It's a cold spring. No. We're in New England. They don't have those things there. <laughs> so, but uh, it's just... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I just learned a lot about 
you're trying to mate new cement with old cement and get it to bond is is quite a, a science and an art. Um, and I learned a lot about it. And the the secret is you need to get what's called a bonding agent, which is a a liquid. There's one called Weldcrete, which is blue, and then um, there's a company called this is called Silcrete Silke. They make a white one, and it look it looks like really diluted milk. And you have to clean your cement surface. You apply this, and you mix in a little cement to make like a slurry, and then you lay on your. I'm kind of condensing this, and then you apply your new cement but it's it's a process and all of a sudden i found out that the big the big stores don't sell 40 pound bags of cement anymore they only sell the 80 pound bags so uh it was heavy <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah i've I've a lug of those things too so is there a rebar too to tie in and all that kind of stuff or yeah i have a hammer drill and i use a three-eighths bit i got the thin rebar and i i cut the th- rebar about three-eighths on the six inches long, three eighths diameter, and you you basically want the new cement because you're you're capping a wall basically. You you want to give it some support so it doesn't dislodge, and so it the rebar is vertical, it's up and down. So I I drill it into the old stuff and I jam it in. You could epoxy that in. I didn't really see a need for that. And then that is inside the form, and then I pour on top of that and. The first wall I poured, I made a mistake of when you're shoveling in the cement, you're essentially putting in layers, you know, because you, you mix a bag, you dump it in, you mix a bag, and I, I would do like four bags at a time, is you need to then slosh around that cement to get rid of any kind of air cavities, because as you dump the cement on, you're trapping air in the form, and the first wall I did, I pulled the forms off and I was all happy with myself and I realized I had not you basically take a wooden stick and smush it around <laughs> um, to get the air out and I had not done that kind of like when you're doing canning you run a wooden stick or something along the edges of the inside of the jar to, to knock all the bubbles out well with cement you have to do the same thing and you used to be a contractor, right? So you have yeah. some experience with, with concrete work, I take it. Or is this a new discipline for you? I would avoid concrete work because it it's a New York City. So it's just a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I make plenty of money fixing easy things. Uh, so. Right. That's, that's, that's smart. Um, no one knows how to fix stuff. Yeah, no kidding. People... You know, our arborist was here the other day, and he was just explaining that people just have teams of people that help them all the time, is the way he put it. So, he was surprised that we were doing stuff, basically. But anyways. <laughs> so, what else have you been up to? You, I, I noticed on your YouTube channel that you've been organizing, and you have uh, some specific organizing tips. Well, I guess what I, I should ask is, what have you been organizing? You've been decluttering. Too. What have you been deorganizing? Deorganizing. Sorry. What have you been decluttering? And then, then how have you been uh, dealing with the the? Well, the I did the garage. Well, I've been in a work in progress in the garage, and um, I've gotten really good at kind of Marie conduing my garage, I guess. And I live on a where my little house is. It's a very remote area that not very many cars drive by. But I found that if something stays around, I um, 
it just tends to get stacked somewhere. And then I've just realized that if I haven't touched it in a year, I just need to get rid of it. But then you always want it to go to a good place. Right. You don't want to just throw it out. And recycling, at least up there, it's kind of non-existent, you know. Um, and from what I understand, at least from what I understand up there, recycling doesn't exist. So I actually made a video about this, but I put it out on the end of the driveway, and I have this stenciled sign that says free, and people would st slow down and take a look at things and take them, which was really fun. But then I realized if I made a free sign and described what the thing was that was free, I would get rid of it almost immediately. Oh, really? So, so I gave away a bunch of mason jars, so I said free mason jars. Uh, and er, people hit the brakes, and it was gone. <laughs> I, I saw you were uh, organizing bolts and nuts and that kind of stuff. Did you get rid of that, or did you throw out some of that, or did you save it all? What was your approach to that? I have of? it. Well, my thing with that is to put it in clear containers. Because uh, if you put it if you put it in a box and just label, I mean, I guess these organizer people are big in the label makers, which is fine, but I'm very visual. And if I don't see it, I forget that I have it, but I put all my lag bolts. It was in a, it's a jar. It's a plastic pesto jar, mm -hmm. you know, and I filled up two of those with lag bolts and then they go into a bigger tub I have of bolts. And I actually opened that jar the other day to get a bolt out and I'm like, Oh yeah, I just organized these. So that has made things a lot less stressful because I just I can still see it, but I know all the bolts are in that one tub tray thing, but I can get through it much faster, get what I need, and then just put it back. And um, the hardest part is starting. The second hardest thing is following through. But I made a video, the nut and bolt organization video. I made it to try and be inspirational because i can i do how-to videos and i think sometimes they're kind of boring so i thought i'd try and be inspirational and also get something done i don't know if i did that or not but um i was like here's my here's my challenge and here's what i'm going to do and um making the video made me clean the place up so it worked well for me nice and um i noticed you've also been doing some gardening and particularly tackling a unusual gardening problem or maybe not an unusual gardening problem but large mammals um you want to say something about um how you've been dealing with that <laughs> yeah we have we have a bear problem nice <laughs> that's, like a, that's that's a crazy one for a podcast we're in brooklyn here but um no and i li i have this little house in northwest connecticut it's very rural it's, it's full of woods and fields and stuff and for a very long time the connecticut DEP would trap the problem bears in the populated areas and dump them up in our area. And then people have been feeding the bears, either purposely feeding them like chicken scraps or something, or they like to feed the birds and bears love bird seed, uh, like suet and all that stuff. So several years ago, after the bear broke down my garage door, I took down the bird feeders and he'd also destroyed my favorite bird feeder. But now we have the compost bin. It's made out of pallets. It's really simple. I don't put any meat in it at all or anything like that. And he tore the front door off. So <laughs> the front, you know, the front. And I'm like, what? And I, from what I figure, I think it's the eggshells. I just, but there were like some 
cranberries or maybe some nuts in there or peanuts or something. And inside, I thought, okay, well, maybe they, since like the bird seed, maybe they wanted the peanuts or the nuts or something. But it's a real weird problem to have. But um, I think people are just going to have to just kind of be careful about what they put outside, you know? One of the best ranger advice that I ever saw was at the uh, portal to Mount Whitney. There's a sign, and it's a picture of one of those trained bears riding a bicycle. Yeah. And the sign just says, like, don't, don't look at this picture and think about that for a second. Uh, and then go to your car and make sure there's no food in there. <laughs> because, <laughs> I mean, these, it's amazing what they can do. You know, in terms of getting around locks and fences, things like that. So, um, yeah, definitely not not an easy problem to deal with. And I, I assume you have deer, too, probably. We do. Um, there's a lot of hunting up by me, and so that, that keeps the population at bay, I think. I, I think it's a bigger suburban, suburban problem than um, rural problem, at least up by me. We do have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of rifle hunting and also um, uh, bow hunting. So thankfully, we're starting to see rabbits. I see rabbits every spring, but we also have coyotes. So I just look at them as coyote food, and um, I don't see them in the fall too much. So, but it's the bear. The bear's at the top of the food chain, save for um, humans. You know, and then the humans are enabling them. I'm like, just take down the bird feeder. <laughs> you know? Yeah, or feeding them. That's crazy. I didn't think that that went on anymore. Yeah, or people, it's more a passive thing, and they just, they leave their trash cans out, uh-huh. um, and the bear just tears open their trash, and I um, I keep the trash cans in the garage, and yet they still, he, he tore down one of the garage doors to try and get in there, to just, and I guess our trash really stunk that day or something, but it's, you know, it's kind of, it's humbling, you just have to kind of, you know, nature always wins, and nature yeah, loves no a boy, so just be careful. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, one or two last questions for you. This is totally self-serving, and uh, but it is my podcast. So uh, I would like yeah. to build a boat for Kelly and I. Maybe that would fit the dog in it. What do you think I should do? What's your boat building advice? Or should I buy a boat? Well, no, don't buy a boat. <laughs> this is a, actually, this could be a whole podcast. So first of all, there's a book I have, which um, I'm going to have to look at my Instagram feed real quick for you. <laughs> Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Um, there's a couple, there's a bunch of people that design homemade plywood boats. And this book is out of print, but you can probably get it. You can get it in the used market. And it's, and it's a guy designed a boat called the Mouse. And then he built what's called the Micro Mouse and the Mouse Cruiser. Cruiser, It is by Gavin Atkin, A-T-K-I-N, Gavin, G-A-V-I-N, Atkin. Ultra simple boat building, 17 plywood boats anyone can build. And he popularized a boat called the Mouse, which you can build very quickly. It'll take an adult up to maybe 160 pounds, or it'll take a couple kids in it if you want. And it's a great starter boat. And then he built one called the Cruiser Mouse, which is an extended version of the Mouse Boat. It's fairly low in the water. It's a still water boat. But the Cruiser Mouse will take two adults, and it's really easy to make. And then you can go to um, 
a place called Sto- is it Story? There's one called Simplicity Boats, and then on the web there's one called Story Boat Building. I think I'm going to type it in here. Story is it called Story Boats? These don't are you like the gap here, like marine plywood. Is that it? You don't have to. I don't think you need to use marine plywood. Um, what's it called? Storer boats. S T O R E R. Here we go. Store. So it's store and then an R. So S T O R E R. Storerboatplans.com. And they have a ton of them. There's. Depending on who you are and how long you want your boat to last, you can get plywood or marine plywood. Then the, the second question is whether to use epoxy. And they have earth-friendly, I don't know if it's called earth-friendly, but they have low VOC epoxies now. Epoxy can, um, it can knock you on your yeah. butt. Stinky um, stuff, yeah. But they have a low volatile organic compound kind now that won't, kill you uh, you still need to wear a mask but then there is a school of people that use pl glue to make their boats which is liquid nails oh which is a polyurethane glue i've used that in the tube so it comes in a bucket or something too no you tube it out and then you use like a wet plastic spoon to form it ah. and then you can paint the boat with a oil paint or a latex paint that's water you know waterproof paint then there is a third method which i am going to try and that is to use waterproof wood glue i think i have tight bond waterproof wood glue type three i think that's what it's called yes and build your boat with that and the tight bond waterproof wood glue first of all and you're going to use uh, drywall fiberglass mesh tape instead of the fiberglass mesh for the joints. Oh. So you, you make all your joints with wood glue, this waterproof wood glue and fiberglass mesh tape. And then for the exterior and the interior to finish it off, most people would use fiberglass resin, which is real stinky and expensive and you have to be careful. This guy uses a watered down type bond three waterproof glue as his resin coating and you do like three coats of it so you have a waterproof boat that didn't cost a fortune and this and is how that's you the next boat i'm going to build uh, so is, is is this how the the red boat in your one of your most popular videos was built or is this a different method that boat was built with drywall screws and um bathroom caulk <laughs> <laughs> It worked. I mean, it didn't. It didn't remain watertight for years. I mean, it worked for about a year, and it, it's it's uh-huh. actually decaying in my behind my garage. But I'm going to build um, an improved version. It's it's going to be like a dinghy, basically, with a V front, with a with a, a a V front bow, and a and I'm trying to make a more controllable boat. Looking at all these different designs. And then after I make that with the waterproof wood glue, I'm going to take, I'm going to build the cruiser mouse because I want a lightweight. We have a 16 foot canoe. It's an old town discovery canoe. It paddles like a barge and it's heavy. It takes two people to get off the car and into the water. And when you're in the water, it paddles like a barge. Hmm. And I'm like, I want a light, I want a lightweight plywood boat that I can put on the roof of the car myself 
and then we have a a, po- a lake near us with a very simple boat launch. There's no power boats or anything, and so that's my goal is to make instead of buying a thousand dollar kayak or something. I don't know how much they are, but you know, a nice kayak. Right. I thought I'm just going to build some boats. Cool. Uh, so well, yeah. So yeah, go store ahead. store boat plans. That Gavin Atkins book is great because he talks about the PL method, and then I will email you the guy that has this website about using the tight bond glue it's totally it's a web 1.0 website you know it looks like you used um it's built with um uh aol.com or something oh yeah those know? are the best <laughs> um but his passion his passion is there and that's what i love about it and if i can avoid epoxy and make a boat i would love to do that so avoiding epoxy, because I'm wondering if you'd looked into skin-on-frame type boats, or is it that that just the the stink and the fiberglass and all that just too too much? That's beyond that's beyond me. Yeah, I would probably have a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> I have an older I have an older canoe. I have an older fiberglass canoe that has fallen apart, and I am going to rebuild that with plastic PVC lumber, basically the gunnels. And the seats have yeah. fallen apart, but the fiberglass form is still intact. And the gunnels were made out of wood, and they just fell apart. And the seats were this cheap plastic. So I went to Lowe's, and it's called Aztec Lumber. It looks like, you know, one-by-two lumber, but it's white, and it's made out of PVC. And it bends. It has a flex to it, and it's waterproof. They say water-resistant, but it looks pretty much waterproof if it's PVC. So I'm going to rebuild a canoe using that. So that'll be, that'll actually probably be the first thing I do because I bought all the lumber for it. I saw you put so out yeah, a plea this, for, for advice on your um, YouTube channel. Yeah, and that's the other thing is if I just ask questions, people respond. Even if I don't, like I make a video, there's always the, um, you know, the armchair experts that are like, you're doing that wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> So did that boat leak? Do you have to patch holes in it, or is it just the... No, it's it's a fantastic canoe. It uh. just fell apart. I, my neighbor had it, and I traded him the camper top from my pickup truck, which I wasn't using anyway. I mean, like, I think camper tops are kind of a waste of time with a truck. So, um, And he was happy to have the camper top, and I was happy to have this beautiful canoe, but then the, it fell apart on me because he just kept it face up in the in the yard and it fell apart so you mean you didn't consider turning the camper top into a boat yeah (laughs) sorry that could be a diving platform maybe (laughs) (laughs) he used it for his turkeys oh there there you go um well lastly any um other projects on the um any scoop for uh, root simple here on what garden fork is up to um, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by spray foam and, um, I want to save up our money and try and winterize the little weekend house. Cause it, it gets really cold up there and we burn, it's an oil furnace and I'm like, okay, this is, this is not the most echo thing to do. So the first step in that is I am replacing the storm windows on the home. It has what are called double track or three track triple track storm windows on the outside it has wooden single pane windows which are cost prohibitive to replace but you can buy a new triple track storm so the fact that 
Tom Silva said um, that replacing these is almost as good as replacing a new window. I ordered some from Lowe's. They're 150 bucks a piece, and I got four. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try these four and see how they work, and then I'll replace the rest of the windows in the home. Because despite it being a small house, there's a surprising number of windows, you know. So that's my that's kind of the big project, which um, with the with the lockdown, the pandemic thing has actually been kind of a, you know, I go to the store once, and then I I have a week's worth of work to do, and I could make a couple of videos about it as well. So it's it's a win win for me. And you started with but, talking um, about insulation. So are you going to get that kind of fancy two-part insulation spray and stuff? Is that what you're going to do and seal up? Or just the little cans of spray insulation? No, well, I think in the future we'll have the foam, but it, it is pricey. So we kind of have to yeah. kind of have to save our money. Um, I mean, economically, it's a little scary time. So I'm a little reluctant until mm-hmm. this thing kind of kind of settles down again to go forward with that. But it's I've used the spray foam to insulate walls before and it, it is fantastic it, it is amazing and it's also mm. soundproofs if you if you're in a busy area mm-hmm. so but it's it's not cheap but right. you know right you get what you pay for yeah it's like 300 bucks so, yeah. or something i think for the little the little one but anyways sorry eric go ahead well that's what i'm up to so i'm, ex- I'm excited about boats it's and i the cool thing about the plywood boat what i like about the type on wood glue is Save for using a circular saw to cut the pieces, this is a great kid project too. And if it depending on which home improvement store you go to, they might be able to cut out the pieces. Or at least for the first plywood boat I built, it's all rectangles. Um, there are two angle cuts actually, but um, they can probably cut it for you at the home improvement store. You know. Cool. Cool. So. Yeah, that's what we're up to here at Garden Fork Central. Excellent. Yes, well, so uh, on that note, uh, tell people uh, where they can uh, where they can hear you, where they can see you. Well, just go to go to uh, YouTube and type in Garden Fork, and I'll show up there. Um, we have a – it's called a channel page with all sorts of stuff. And if you subscribe, would you hit what's called the notification bell as well? Because otherwise YouTube won't tell you when I put out a new video. Um, and we also have the Garden Fork dot tv website and the garden fork radio podcast where you can probably hear me and yours truly eric talking um as well so that's on itunes and stitcher and all those popular places there so there you go excellent well thank you eric and take care all right cool thanks man all right thank you that was eric brochow you can find eric at gardenfork.tv and on youtube instagram and facebook Make sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel and hit the notification bell. You can also hear him interview me on the latest episode of the Garden Fork Podcast. If you'd like to ask a question here at Root Simple, please give us a call at 213-537-2591 or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. We are Root Simple on Twitter. You can have our podcasts automatically downloaded for free by subscribing in the iTunes Store or on Stitcher. Thank you again to our many supporters. Our closing theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you for listening. (laughs) ¶¶